Hello, and welcome to the Credit Union Overtime Podcast, produced and presented by the Credit Union Webinar Network, powered by FinEd. Today, we will be listening to a clip from Elizabeth Bass' webinar on dormant accounts, unclaimed property, and assegement. Elizabeth Fast is a partner with Spencer Fain, where she specializes in the representation of financial institutions. Elizabeth is the head of the firm's training division. She received her law degree from the University of Kansas and her undergraduate degree from Pittsburgh State University. In addition, she has a Master of Business Administration degree, and she's a certified public accountant. Before joining Spencer Fain, she was general counsel, senior vice president, and corporate secretary of a $9 billion bank with more than 130 branches, where she managed all legal, regulatory, and compliance functions. And so with that, I will let our listeners check out this clip from Elizabeth's Dormant Accounts webinar. Let's take a break here uh, just for a few minutes. Maybe we could open it up for a couple of questions. Rachel, can I pass the mic back to you? Because we still have some a lot of information to get through here. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth. At this time, participants, if you have any questions, please type them into the Q&A chat box to the right of your screen. And Elizabeth, we do already have quite a few questions. I'll try to sort them out for us. I know we have quite a few comments in there. Sorry about that. But it looks like our first question is, on IRAs, what would date of death qualify for? Well, so, okay, so then let's look back at our IRAs. So it says that date of attempted distribution of property, date of required distribution, or date the IRS real estate distribution must begin to avoid a tax penalty. So when a person dies, the IRS rules say that it has to that has to be distributed. Now maybe it'll go into like an inherited IRA to whoever the beneficiaries are, but that would be when the person dies, that would be the date of the distribution. Um, and so it would be three years then after the date of death because the date of death would be at the time that you are trying to distribute it to whoever is inheriting that IRA. And so at least under the UUPA, it is three years after the date of death. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Elizabeth. And our second question is, does a direct deposit count as activity? Well, Yes, it does as long as the member is still alive. And that's why I gave the examples of someone that has their electric bill automatically withdrawn from their checking account each month. Well, while they're alive, they're deemed to have authorized it. I mean, they did initially authorize it. And therefore, that is activity. And that is activity conducted by the account holder. But once the account holder dies, that theory uh, kind of goes away. Because once the account holder dies, the thought is, is that they did authorize it. That's how the electric company was able to take the money out every month. But upon death, then that authority terminated. And so if the person is still alive, then yes, that automatic withdrawal, it counts as activity, but once the person dies, then it, it really, it doesn't. Awesome. Thank you for that explanation. Our next question is, if an account holder has more than one account and it is active in those, um, can the other account be considered active? 
Yes, and the point we were making here is that although someone has an inactive account, if they are alive and well and they're just not using that account, that account is not as cheated. Uh, you, that account is simply inactive. And so that their contact with you through their other active accounts would be sufficient contact to prove that they are alive and well and that this is their account. They're just not using it now. So the answer would be yes, it's permissible. It's permissible to use activity from other accounts to prove that this account is not abandoned uh, or unclaimed. It's just not being used. Awesome. And our next question is, what is considered contact? Anything can be contact. So you could even initiate the contact by calling the person on the phone, by sending an email to them. And if they respond back to you, that is contact. Or they could call you or send you an email. So anything that proves they are still alive and that they claim that account. Fantastic. And our next question is, how would we find out what states permits unreturned mail? Very, very few do. We have given you a supplemental handout, and in that supplemental handout, it is the information about your state's achievement process, and in it, it will tell you whether unreturned mail counts as contact. So you would need to look that up and get the website from the supplemental handout we've given you today. Fantastic. Well, our next question might be a little specific, but it is, is there a max limit of a dormancy fees in Georgia? We're going to talk about dormancy fees next. And with respect to a specific state, um, look at look at the supplemental handout that we've given you, the website address. That would be the best place to go. And that's a good lead-in because we're going to start talking about dormant CPs now. Fantastic. And our next question, what about an IRA where an account owner is deceased under uh, age of the RMD requirement and yeah. has no listed beneficiary? Okay. So in that situation, that the, the date of death of the IRA account holder, then that is the date that you start counting when the statutory period ends, like three years. We looked at the one example, and the UUPA says three years after your attempted distribution. Well, when they're deceased, you are attempting, you need to attempt to distribute it to a beneficiary. That starts the three-year period running. Now, if there is no beneficiary listed, then you can't do anything. You're just sitting there and holding it, right? And so what will probably happen in something like this is if the estate or a relative doesn't know that that IRA is with you, you're just going to sit and hold on that. And that, that account then will ha not be claimed, it'll be inactive, it won't be claimed, and that is an account then that would be escheated 
to the state after that, the three-year period after death because there is no beneficiary for you to contact. That's, that would be a perfect example of an account that would be exceeded because nobody's going to make a claim to it. Great. And our next question is, um, the five years you're using is just an example, correct? So in Nevada, it's three years. So we would use that in all these scenarios? Yes, absolutely. So when I was referring to the five-year period, that is what the uniform law says, the UUPA. And we've given you a supplemental handout for you to go look up your each of your state's rules. And so if you're in Nevada and, and it's three years, then yes, you would be using three years. So whenever I use these, the five years, three years, it's because the uniform law uses that period. You need to check the supplemental handout to make sure that your state is following the uniform law or has changed it somewhat. Awesome. And our next question. Recently, we came across a document from the National Association of Unclaimed Property Administrators stating that we must now withhold federal income tax from a sieged IRA. Any guidance on this? I do not have an answer for that right now because I'd want to look into that. Um, I would be happy to answer that question. So you guys can feel free to, to send me an email. Um, so I think the issue probably on that is that there is no beneficiary listed. I mean, I think that's what it's looking like. And it looks like that that is more of an IRS issue. So the IRS is saying that they want you to withhold federal income tax before you achieve it. So the IRS is saying, hey, don't send all that money to the state. Send, send the taxes to the IRS. That's what it looks like to me. But I haven't looked at that specifically. And send me an email and I'll look it up. Great. And our last question for the first question and answer session is, does a withdrawal and deposit the same day not count as making the account active? Oh, any activity. So you could withdraw and make a deposit on the same day, and that's certainly activity in the account. So, so yes, it's fine. Either a withdrawal or a deposit or both a withdrawal and deposit. That all counts as activity. You can access and purchase Elizabeth's webinar on dormant accounts, unclaimed property, and assegement at our website using the link in our show notes. You can also visit us at cuwebtraining.com. Be sure to follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook on the Credit Union Webinar Network pages. I would like to thank all of our state association partners, our topic experts, and you, the listeners. Thank you for all that you do to support your members. Mm -hmm.